the visiting preacher stood up and delivered an inspiring message of hope to the youth group that was assembled. He said, you're God's idea. Every young man and every young woman in this room, God thought you up. You were created on purpose, with a purpose, for a purpose by a heavenly father who does not make mistakes. He's with you and he's for you and he loves you. He loves you so much, in fact, that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, into human history. And Jesus Christ, the son of God, stepped into history on a mission of redemption. He came to represent God's grace and God's love and God's mercy in living color. But he also came to die. And when Jesus went to the cross to lay down his life, his offer to you and his offer to me is that we would hand him our shame and our guilt and our regret so that we could get past our past once and for all. And then Jesus rose again on the third day and he defeated death. And he ushered in a new era, a new era of life. Because 40 days later, he ascended back into heaven and he did two things. Number one, he sent the Holy Spirit so that we could have the strength to live with the power and purpose that we were born to live with. And number two, he went to prepare a place for us. Because here's the thing, (laughs) your body's going to wear out one day. But you're never going to wear out. On the other side of eternity, you're going to get a new body. And God's going to usher in a new order. No more suffering, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more pandemics. He'll wipe every tear from your eye. A new heaven and a new earth. Think of it. New Rocky Mountains, recognizable, but infinitely more. A new Grand Canyon, recognizable, but infinitely more. A new Paris, recognizable, but infinitely more. A new Mediterranean, a new Caribbean, recognizable, but infinitely more. And in the words of that old hymn, when we've been there for 10,000 years, just when we think that it can't get any better than this, we'll realize that the best is actually still yet to come. Man, it was an inspiring sermon on hope. So much so that the youth group all lined up to talk to this visiting preacher afterwards. One or after the other, they said thank you or they asked for prayer. And at the very end of the line, at the very end of the night, there was a young woman. She was about 15 years old. He later described her as about 5 foot 10 inches tall and 90 pounds. She was rail thin. And she talked about the fact that all her friends had boyfriends, but she didn't. All her friends were going on her dates, but she wasn't. And she said, what, do, what am I supposed to do? And he started to go over again how Jesus gives us hope for yesterday, today, tomorrow, and forever. And she interrupted him and she said this, yeah, but what good is all that if I can't get a date? And that is an awesome question. It's actually really, really important and really, really profound. What good is all that if I can't get a date. And on that note, I want to welcome you to Southside Church Online. Thanks for having us over. Thanks for inviting me into your place, wherever that place might be. And if you're here today and you're joining us at Southside for the very first time, that is so cool. We'd love to give you a welcome gift. So if you could text the keyword hello onto the chat where you're at right now or to 604-670-3040, our phone number, or go to southsidelife.com. We have a message box there called Southside Together. Just text that keyword, hello. We'd love to give you a Starbucks on us just to say hey. So we're going to talk about faith today. 
And before I go any further, I want to pray for just that. So let's pray. Dear God, you promise us in the Bible that if we have faith the size of a mustard seed, that we can move mountains in our life. I pray for a mountain-moving faith for every boy and every girl, for every man and every woman, for every family represented that's joining us here today. I pray for that kind of faith. I pray for faith in the face of adversity, even in the face of this pandemic. God, I pray for all of those who are affected by it or infected by it in any way. I pray for strength. I pray for your sustaining mercy. God, and we're thankful for all the heroes that are emerging during this time, the first responders and the medical professionals. We applaud them as we should. And God, may their heroic efforts inspire the heroes in us that you've created every one of us to be. We pray all this in your name. Amen. So can you really trust God when you can't get a date? It's a great question. It's a question of faith. Can you really trust God when you failed that test? Can you really trust God when you lost your job? Can you really trust God when you get sick? Can you really trust God when your marriage is hard? Can you really trust God when your kids are driving you crazy? Can you really trust God when things just didn't work out the way that you hoped that they would work out? Like our son Lucas got engaged a few months ago to his amazing fiance Lexi, and they set a date to get married, June the 26th. And I'm sure they had all kinds of ideas of what that wedding was gonna look like, but then as the days went on and the weeks went on and the months went on, it became pretty evident that that wedding wasn't going to look like they thought it was going to look. Or our daughter Emma, who worked her butt off for four years so that she could graduate from university. And this was going to be the spring that she walked across the stage. And I'm sure she had an idea of what it was going to feel like and how awesome it was going to be to walk across that stage. Right, Emma? Yeah. So here's the question though. Can you really trust God when things don't work out like you planned? Can you really trust God when you had a, an imagination of the way that things should be and it doesn't look anything like you imagined? That's faith. See, we've been talking a, a lot about victory in this series, how God wants to uh, give you a soul level victory where you start to see victory in your life and, and, and you bring victory to others. And I'm really convinced, by the way, that victory in the face of adversity can only be fueled by faith. That victory in the face of adversity can only be fueled by faith. And, and I want to stop there because I'm a little bit concerned and I'm a little, a little bit stressed out that, that that might come across as glib or cheesy. And so I really want to look at you right now and I want to ask you this question. If not you, then who? And if not now, then when? Because here's what I know. Our world needs hope now as much as it ever has needed hope. Our world needs strength now as much as our world has ever needed strength. Our world needs uh, victory now as much as it's ever needed victory. See, I'm convinced that victory in the face of adversity is fueled only by faith. Jesus said it this way in John 16, He said, in this world, you will have trouble. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome this world. It's an amazing concept. 
Because here's what I know, when we look around this world and we see trouble, I know one thing for sure, that there is an unseen trouble behind all the trouble that we see. And when we look around this world and we see brokenness, I know there's an unseen brokenness behind all the brokenness that we see. And when I look around this world and I see a battle going on, I know that there's an unseen battle behind all the battles that we see. So how do I take heart in a troubled world? How do I take heart in a troubled world? Well, there's really only one way. Faith in the one who has overcome this troubled world. That's it. A victory in the face of adversity is only fueled by faith. In, in other words, what I'm suggesting is that we, we, we have faith in, in, in a victory that goes deeper than the deepest defeat. We, we have faith in a hope that goes deeper than the deepest despair. We, we, we have faith in strength that goes deeper than the deepest weakness. We, we, we have faith in a light that shatters the deepest darkness. That victory in the face of adversity can only be fueled by faith. One of the most powerful examples of that was Good Friday when Jesus laid down his life and all seemed lost. There was a prisoner of war during the Vietnam War named Jeremiah Denton who wrote a poem that I love. It described the vantage point of Mary on that day that Jesus was crucified. Let me read it for you. The soldiers stare, then drift away. Young John finds nothing he can say. The veil is rent, the deed is done, and Mary holds her only son. His limbs grow stiff, the night grows cold, but naught can loose that mother's hold. Her gentle anguished eyes seem blind. Who knows what thoughts run through her mind? Perhaps she thinks of last week's palms, with cheering thousands offering alms, or dreams of Cana on that day. She nagged him till she got her way. Her face shows grief, but not despair. Her head, though bowed, has faith to spare. For even now she could suppose his thorns might somehow yield a rose. Her life with him was full of signs that God writes straight with crooked lines. Dark clouds can hide the rising sun, and all seems lost when all is one. Her head, though bowed, has faith to spare. I'm convinced that, that victory in the face of adversity can only be fueled by faith. That, that the only way that we can take heart in a troubled world is faith in the one that has overcome this world. That God really does write straight with crooked lines. That there really is a victory that goes deeper than defeat. That there really is a hope that goes deeper than despair. That there really is a strength that goes deeper than weakness. That there really is a light that shatters the deepest darkness. A victory in the face of adversity can only be fueled by faith. We've been looking at the second last book of the Bible, the book of Jude, and we're on verse nine now. It's gotta be one of the coolest verses in the entire Bible. Let me read it for you. Even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not himself dare to condemn him for slander, but said, the Lord rebuke you. The Lord rebuke you. <laughs> That's a story of faith. 
Let me start out this way. Um, I am very certain that if the Archangel Michael showed up here at the hangar or wherever you're watching this sermon right now, the last thing in the world that you would think to yourself is, man, that guy looks like he could use a little help. That guy looks like he can't fight his own battles. You know, that guy looks a little bit weak. I'm certain that that's the last thing in the world that we would think if the Archangel Michael showed up. I heard a preacher a couple weeks ago say, he's pretty sure that angels are 20 feet tall. I have no idea how tall, angels are spiritual, so I guess they're however tall they would want to be if they manifest themselves physically, but I am certain of this, the last thing in the world that you would think if the Archangel Michael showed up in your house right now is, man oh man, that guy needs some help. One of the reasons I know that is because if you read through the Bible, almost every single time an angel appears to a person or a group of people, the very first thing that the angel says to that person or those people is this, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, because I'm scary. (laughs) One of my favorite passages that talks about that is in Luke chapter two. Luke chapter two, the night that Jesus was born, it says there were shepherds out in the fields keeping watch over their flocks by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Terrified. The the word terrified in that passage actually means they were so scared that they could not move and they could not speak. Okay, the King James Version says they were sore afraid. In other words, they were so scared that it hurt. The Wycliffe translation says it this way, they dreaded with a great dread. Okay, so suffice it to say this. If an angel showed up here right now, the last thing in the world that we would be thinking to ourselves is, that guy could use a little help. And this isn't just any angel. This is Michael, great name, the only archangel mentioned in the entire Bible. So he's the angel of angels. And he shows up and him and the devil are having a dispute. And I want you to think about this for a second. The devil is a fallen angel. So Michael and the devil were on equal footing. And Michael doesn't look at the devil and say, hey, how about you take a shot at the title? And, and, and it doesn't say, you know what? I rebuke you, devil. He doesn't do that. He takes advantage of the one advantage that he has over the devil. See, unlike the devil, Michael has a higher power that he can appeal to. Michael says, the Lord rebuke you. The Lord rebuke you. And what I want to suggest to you and what I want to suggest to me is if we want to take heart in this troubled world, we need to take, take a page out of Michael's book. We need to appeal to a higher power because I want to ask you a question. What slander has the devil been whispering in your ear? Maybe it's temptation. I mean, you know how this story ends. You know what's going to happen if you take that step, and yet for some reason, you're so tempted to take it. Maybe it's bitterness, like somebody hurt you months ago or years ago, and you just can't let it go, and it's like you keep reliving it over and over and over again, and that person keeps hurting you over and over and over again. Maybe it's regret or shame. Maybe it's humiliation for that thing that you did that you wish you never would have done and you can't let yourself off the hook and you're just living in the pain of your failed past. Maybe it's anxiety, maybe it's depression, maybe it's worry. Or maybe it's this voice that he whispers in your ear that you're completely and totally alone. And you always will be. And nobody cares about you and nobody ever will. See, I want to really suggests that you step out in faith and you take a page out of the Archangel Michael's book. And you rebuke the voice of the devil 
in your life. You say, well, <laughs> wait a minute, Mike, like not everything is spiritual. No, I understand that. In fact, one of the first lies that the enemy is going to tell you is he's going to whisper in your ear and he's going to tell you, you got yourself into this and you have to get yourself out of it. You know what faith means? Faith means it doesn't matter how you got yourself into it. You don't have to get yourself out of it. That's faith. So you have an enemy named the devil and, and he wants to orchestrate a soul level defeat in your life. It doesn't matter what you did. It doesn't matter what other people did. His main point right now is to take whatever circumstances he can and orchestrate a defeat to the level where you see defeat in your life and you bring defeat to others. And you gotta step out in faith today and, 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 and you gotta take a page out of the Archangel Michael's book and you gotta say, the Lord rebuke you, temptation. The Lord rebuke you, bitterness. The Lord rebuke you, isolation. The Lord rebuke you, worry. The Lord rebuke you, self-hatred. You're not alone. Doesn't matter how you got into it. Faith says you don't have to get out by yourself. You don't. See, the victory in the face of adversity can only be fueled by faith. To take heart in a troubled world, we place faith in the one who has overcome this troubled world. I love what Hebrews 11 says when it defines faith. It says, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And then it goes on in Hebrews 12 to say this, so let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. What an interesting concept. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. How would you do that? Like, 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 is the author of Hebrews saying, here's what you need to do. You need to take a, a painting of Jesus and you just need to stare at it. That's gonna help. See, I don't think that will help. And, and I don't think you should stare at a painting of Jesus. In, in fact, you for sure shouldn't stare at these two paintings of Jesus. Okay, because there's a few things I know about Jesus. Number one, he was not white. He was not Caucasian. Didn't have blue eyes. Didn't have long moose hair. He didn't wear makeup or get manicures, okay? So I don't think staring at that picture is gonna help. So how do we fix our eyes on Jesus? See, see, what I wanna suggest to you today is faith is actually spiritual eyesight. See, in the physical, we say this. Man, I would have to see it to believe it. In the spiritual, the opposite is true. You gotta believe it to see it. See, there's a lot of things that I could tell you. I could empirically prove to you many things. I could say, um, I can show you, I can prove to you that the Bible is the best-selling book of all time. I can prove that. I could prove to you that the Bible is historically accurate. That Jesus Christ lived, died, and rose again. I could prove that to you, not, not just out of biblical sources, but out of uh, extra-biblical historical sources. I could prove that to you. And I could probably argue with you and convince you that the Bible has had a profound impact on human history. I could convince you of that. I, 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 could, I could convince you probably that the, the Bible is the most unique book, one of the most unique books in all of human history. In fact, I bet you that if we sat down together right now, I could convince you that the Bible really, really matters. But that's not faith. Faith takes the next step. Faith says the Bible, the truth in the Bible, really, really matters to me. 
And I, I can't show you that. You gotta believe it to see it. It's like, I, I can't show you the wind. I could show you the effects of the wind, but I can't show you the wind. What I wanna suggest to you, spiritually speaking, is that there's a spiritual wind blowing in your soul. And through that, God is calling your name right now. I can't show you the wind, but I could show you the effects of it. See, one of the things that I think that you know is that you're way deeper than a body. You're way deeper than a bench press or a six pack or your physique or how you look or even your health. See, I think you know that. I think you know that you're even deeper than your brain. You're more than your IQ or your GPA or the marks that you get at school. See, there's a spiritual wind blowing through your soul, and with it, God is calling your name. I can't, I can't show it to you, but I can show you the effects of it. For example, you look around the world right now at the way things are, and you say, that ain't right. That, 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 that's, that, that's not right. And by extension, your soul is longing for something that is right. See, there's a spiritual wind blowing through your soul. And it's God, and he's calling you to faith. I can't show it to you, but I can show you the effects of it. Like it's that part deep down inside of you that says there's got to be more. There's got to be more. Because maybe you've walked through life and you've just come to this realization, man, it doesn't matter how much pleasure I experience. It doesn't matter how many possessions. It doesn't matter how many trophies I win. It doesn't matter how many accolades I get. It doesn't matter how successful I am. It just never feels enough. There's gotta be more. Or Or we look around this world that can be awful dangerous and we think, surely I was made more for these short decades of time than I get, that I get on this earth. See, what I would suggest to you is that there's a spiritual wind blowing through your soul, and God's calling you to faith. Man, I, I can't show it to you, but I'll tell you what, you gotta believe it to see it. See, and when you, when you believe it and when you see it, I wanna say that like, <laughs> it changes everything. I wanna, I wanna give you the ABC of faith. Okay, I want to give you the ABC of faith. So number one, faith gives you assurance. Faith gives you assurance. The ABC of faith. Faith gives you assurance. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Man, that's assurance. That every day I'm just trusting him the best I can, leaning not on my own understanding and he's just leading me. He's just leading me. You know, he's, he's not a trickster. God's not trying to pull a fast one on me. He's trying to lead me one next step at a time. And it's assurance because I don't have to live in the past. You know what I mean? I don't have to go, well, I took a wrong turn in 2012, so it's all over now. I took a, long, a wrong turn last night, so it's all over now. I made that one mistake back then, so I guess it's all over. No, God's not MapQuest. Where you make one wrong turn, it's all over. No, he's always rerouting. He's always recalculating. And, and it's this assurance that says, um, I'm not going to carry the regrets and the baggage and the humiliation from 2012 with me for one more second. I'm not going to drag around what Jesus died to free me from for one more second, for one more step. 
it's also that assurance that he gives you that, that you really are enough. So you don't have to live for the accept, acceptance, the applause, or the approval of people anymore. One of my best friends is a guy named Rich Stewart. Man, we've been hanging out since middle school. I still hang out with him now. And I remember back when we were in middle school and high school, Rich used to say this one thing all the time. He used to always say, I don't care what people think. I don't care what people think. I don't care what people think. And he would say it multiple times a day. And I would always think to myself, man, that is so cool. Like, that is awesome. Because I really, really, really do care what people think, <laughs> you know? And, uh, and so a couple weeks ago, we were talking on the phone, and I said, Rich, do you remember back in middle school and high school, you used to always say, I don't care what people think. And I've been thinking, like, did you actually not care, or did you kind of care? He said, oh, it's all I ever thought about. All I ever thought about is what people thought. See, and here's the tragedy of that. The tragedy of that is that when you care about what people think, you don't care about people. Because their approval becomes a commodity. Their validation becomes your currency. And now you want something from them. But, but, but Jesus says to you today, man, if you believe it, you'll see it. That your value was already established through the death and resurrection of Jesus. That, 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 that your worth is absolutely firm, that you're pre-approved. So now you don't have to live for the validation or approval of people. You can live from the approval of God. Instead of caring so much about what people think, the next thing you know, you can just care about people. So number one, a life of faith is a life of assurance. It's also a life of blessing. A life of blessing. You just come to trust God. Man, he's never failed and he won't start now, so you just step into his plan for every area of your life relationships, marriage, parenting, man, even money. <laughs> like, there's, this, there's this concept in the Bible, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, the Bible, it's called the principle of first fruits. And, and, and it's amazing because what it says is that when you trust God with the first fruits of your finances, which is the first 10%, that he'll bless you more with what is left over than you can bless yourself with all of it. Well, that doesn't make any sense in the physical, right? Like I went to school in Red Deer and I can even tell you that 100% is greater than 90%. And God says, no, trust me, trust me. <laughs> like when, 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 when you, when you uh, honor me with the first fruits and invite me into your financial world, I'll bless you more with 90 than you could bless yourself with 100. You gotta believe it to see it. I've seen it in my life. My wife Corinne and I were talking just the other day about how amazingly blessed we feel, how fulfilled, how content, and we've always trusted God with every area of our lives. You say, well, you just want me to give money to the church. I do, I really, really do for you. For you. A life of faith is a life of assurance, it's a life of blessing, and it's also a life of change. A life of change. Have you ever heard someone say, you are young at heart? You are young at heart. I don't really know about that, but I know for sure you are young at soul. You're young at soul. So your body might be wearing out. Well, your body is wearing out, okay? You might not realize it yet, but your body is wearing out, okay? So just, that's just the truth. Your body's wearing out, but your soul is young. Your soul's not wearing out. Your soul is still growing, still changing. I was talking about Rich, Rich Stewart a couple minutes ago. Uh, so we hung out in middle school and we hung out in high school. And I graduated high school when I was 17 years old. And about a year after high school was done, 
Rich stopped hanging out with me. And the reason he stopped hanging out with me was because I was a bad influence on him, which is almost the funniest thing I have ever said out loud, that Rich Stewart found me to be a bad influence on him. You know that you are completely and totally off the rails when Rich Stewart says you're a bad influence. Okay, so anyways, I was. So all the stuff he wanted to do, and I was on a road to destruction. I didn't, I, 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 I didn't want to do all the stuff he wanted to do, and he did not want to be involved in the stuff I was involved in. And then I became a Christian. And I, I still loved Rich, but uh, it was just a whirlwind. I, I left Red Deer, I went out to Langley, uh, to Trinity Western University, and the next summer, of school, I came home to Red Deer, I still hadn't talked to Rich. And I remember I was driving uh, down the main street in Red Deer one day, and I felt like I was supposed to pull over and stop at a payphone. Okay, so you probably don't know what a payphone is. I don't care, I'm not telling you, just Google it, okay? So, so I pulled over, and I went to this payphone, I put a quarter in, and I called Rich. And, and I just said, hey man, uh, you probably heard I'm a Christian now, and I know you've been praying for me, so thank you. And thank you that I always knew, even though I never took you up on it, that you would have always been there for me. And we just talked for about an hour. And at the end of the conversation, remember, we're on the phone. At the end of the conversation, he said, in my entire life, I have never heard anybody change as much as you've changed in the last year. And here's the thing. I'm so stoked because my hope is that I change as much this year as I did that year, because I'm young at soul. God's not done with me yet. He's gonna keep changing me. How exciting is that? How amazing is that? That when I fix my eyes on Jesus, you gotta believe it to see it, because next thing you know, man, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control begins to define me. I become the hero that I was created to be more and more and more one next step at a time. And then I lose that sense of responsibility that the world is a courtroom and I somehow have to be a judge. Man, what a relief. What a weird concept that is, by the way. People feeling like they gotta be a judge somehow. You know, where you walk around the world and you go, you're guilty, you're guilty, you suck, you're going to hell, you're guilty. What a weird thing to do. I always think to myself, man, like you understand when you judge other people and when you say to them, you're horrible. They will never say this out loud, but you know what they're thinking? They're thinking, tell me something I don't know, idiot. See, I'm, I'm changing and God's working on me, so I don't have time to be a judge. And if the world is a courtroom, I don't, I don't even have time to be a lawyer and get into big arguments with people. Like how many angels could dance on the head of a pin? You know, if they're 20 feet tall, you know? Uh, I'm not a lawyer. But if the world is a courtroom, I only really have one job, and that's just to be a witness. Man, I, I, I fixed my eyes on Jesus. You gotta believe it to see it. He saved me. He changed me, and he's changing me, and I know that he could do the same for you. That's it, just tell my story. Tell your story. That's it, you gotta believe it to see it. What a life. The ABCs of a life of faith. You know what, I'm gonna give you a bonus. I'm gonna give you a D. Is that okay? One more. One more. Not only does he give you assurance, not only does he give you blessing, he changes you and finally, he gives you a destiny. See, you start to understand that he's just with you every single step 
of the way. And that when, when, when your time on this planet is over, it's not the end for you. That there's a, a new heaven and a new earth and a, a new life. And you get to live every day with that knowledge of your destiny. C.S. Lewis put it this way. He said, a continual looking forward to the eternal world is not, as some people think, a form of escapism or wishful thinking, but one of the things a Christian is meant to do. It does not mean that we, were, we are to leave the present world as it is. No, if you read history, you will find that the Christians who did the most for the present world were just those who thought the most of the next world. The apostles themselves who set on foot the conversion of the Roman Empire. The great men who built up the Middle Ages, the English evangelicals who abolished the slave trade, all left their mark on earth precisely because their minds were occupied with heaven. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this. Aim at heaven and you will get the earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you will get neither. I think one of the things that our culture has done that has been a real disservice is just butchered the whole concept of heaven. You know, first of all, talking about going to heaven, it's, that's not the way it works. Any more than you're going to be a chubby little baby with a diaper, playing a harp and eating Philadelphia cream cheese. It doesn't work that way. The Bible talks about a, a new heaven and a new earth. Think about that. I heard one commentator say that when we get to heaven, we're going to realize that we spent our whole life homesick for a place that we had never been. I wonder if you're like me and sometimes you look around the world and you think, man, there's so much to see in this world, in this country, even in just our province. I'll never get a chance to see it all. Yeah, you will. You will. You got forever. Or how about this? Is there, a, is there a place, is there a moment that you can look back at and think, man, that was good. That was right. Man, that was, oh, that was just a little glimpse. See, for me, that, that place is uh, an outdoor ice rink about 15 minutes northwest of Red Deer, Alberta. I grew up in a subdivision, and in the middle of all these subdivisions, there was this rink, and beside the rink, there was a clubhouse. And it was, we had a key for a while, which was awesome because the clubhouse was heated. And inside that clubhouse was a switch to turn the outdoor lights onto the rink. And I think about that place a lot. I don't know if I'll ever go back there again, but I will on the other side of eternity. In fact, the truth is, um, I think about that place every night. Every single night of my life, I think about that place. Every night when I go to bed, I read my book <laughs> until I just about fall asleep and then I put my book down and every single night, I think about that place in those moments between waking and sleeping. And you might say, well, you're looking back with nostalgia. Yeah, partly but I think I'm, I'm looking forward with great anticipation also. Just being out on that rink and the sound that your skates make on fresh ice. And you can see your breath. 
and the echo of the puck bouncing off the boards. And you skate to the boards and you, you lean way out and you look out past the glare of the lights up into the sky and you realize that the God who spoke all of this infinitely creative universe into existence made it all for me. He made it all for you and we have eternity to explore it all. Man, oh man, you gotta believe it to see it. Faith says that there's a victory deeper than the deepest defeat. That there's a hope that goes deeper than the deepest despair. That there's a strength that goes deeper than the deepest weakness. There's a light that shatters the deepest darkness. And you know what else? There's a life. There's a life. There's a life that goes far beyond death. There's faith. You gotta believe it. You gotta believe it to see it. See, here's the thing. There's a spiritual wind blowing in your soul. I can't show it to you, but God's using it to call to you right now. So I wanna ask you a question. Is today the day that you're gonna put your faith in Jesus? And he's, he's calling you. I don't think it's an accident that you're tuned in and joining in on this service. I think God wants you to know that everything that needed to be done for your salvation has been completed. You don't have to achieve anything. You just have to receive what Jesus did through his death and resurrection. Man, victory, 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 even in the face of adversity, is fueled by faith. So man, if that's you today and you just want to place your faith in Jesus, that's awesome. I believe there's going to be many people that will today. So I'm going to pray, and I just invite you to pray along with me as I pray. Dear Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you died and that you rose again for me. Thank you that you have a plan to give me a life that starts now and stretches into eternity. So I trust you, and I pray that you would give me the strength to follow you one next step at a time, from victory to victory to victory to victory. In your name, amen. Amen. Man, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, I got to tell you, I am honestly just so stoked. It's done. Everything that needed to be done for your victory has been completed. So what I'd love you to do right now is I'd love you to text the keyword life. You can text it to the chat. You can text it to our phone number, 604-670-3040. You can go onto the message box on southsidelife.com and get a hold of us that way. Man, we don't want to stalk you, but you better believe we want to support you. This Christian life is a team event. It's not a solo sport. We're going to help you uh, just grow and become everything that God created you to be. So just before I sign off today, um, I want to ask you to do me a favor. I, wanna, I want you to ask yourself, man, how can I grow in faith? Because here's the truth. We, we, we had the chance to uh, ask people to, to step out in faith for the very first time. So now I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you if, you if you've been a Christian for two weeks or two years or 20 years, or your whole life. And it's time for you to grow in faith. You're, you're young at soul. So let's go. Let's grow. Let's grow. Let's grow. Let's grow in our faith. So I'm going to give you three ways that you can do that. Number one, I spend time in the Bible. I would love it if you could text the keyword read, read, to any of the platforms that I just mentioned. And we have a, we, we have a, a way to hook you up with just some amazing Bible reading plans and devotional plans. Number two, um, I'd love for you to go on to 
the Facebook page Southside Groups. Southside Groups. It's a way that you can get connected with other people that are looking to grow in their faith. So go join that Facebook page, Southside Groups. And thirdly, below on the chat right now, there's a link that you can click. And that link, what it's going to do is it's going to remind you, it's going to be placed in your calendar that you will never miss a Southside service, which is awesome. Because at Southside, we celebrate Jesus. Every sermon is about faith. Every, every song is about faith. And we're going to grow in faith together. Victory. Victory. Even in the face of adversity, is fueled only, only by faith. I love you guys. I would love it if you could take a few of those steps to, uh, to grow your faith this week.